Won't you please stand for the reading of the gospel, Matthew 5, 14 through 16. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. As Reverend Wiggs was giving the schedule of opportunities, ministry opportunities, he mentioned a chili cook-off and a talent show on the 31st of January. That suits me just fine because my talent is eating chili. Uh, that is my talent. Uh, <laughs> so I'm going to be right at home, I'll tell you. <laughs> I do hope you have a sign-up sheet for that, all right. Good morning, Boston Avenue, and good to see all of my friends and those who are watching in uh, and on, by way of television. I am delighted to be back in a place that I know very well, and I'm right at home here at Boston Avenue. Some of the most memorable moments of my ministry happened in this sanctuary and in these classrooms and fellowship halls throughout this building. You have been a remarkable witness for me and my wife, and I am just delighted uh, to know that, you know, as we come to this end, a lot of people are saying, what are you going to do in retirement? Well, I'm just going to turn the page to see what God has in store in the next chapter. And I'm going to make mindful of the fact that I need to leave some margin room for God to do God's work because that's how I see my life. It will be in the church. It will be doing something for the kingdom in some way. But thank you, Boston Avenue. You have blessed me and my ministry, and I am so thankful for that. Let us pray. Dear Jesus, in whose life I see all that I would but fail to be, let thy clear light forever shine to shame and guide this light of mine. Though what I dream and what I do in my weekdays are always two. Help me, oppressed by things undone, O thou who deeds and dreams we're one. Amen. Every year, prior to the observance of the Martin Luther King Jr. birthday or holiday, the United Methodist Church observes what is known as Human Relations Sunday. That is this Sunday. This is the day that we call the church to recognize the right of all God's children to realize their potential as human beings in relationship to one another. When you take a good look at the world in which we live and how we treat each other as fellow human beings, 
we need a human relations Sunday because we have to admit it in some way or another that we have not done a very good job of trying to understand one another, to build bridges to one another, and that we've fallen short of fostering those kinds of relationships that allow us to live harmoniously side by side. In fact, sometimes things seem to get so bad that the world in which we live can only be described as dismal or at the very least dark, and rightly so. At this very moment, it is estimated that there are 41 wars, 41 wars being waged around the world. Thousands of people are being lost every day in places like Syria and Afghanistan and Iraq and Somalia. The people who are citizens of these countries are caught between the bullets and the bombs and thus become refugees, leaving everything with nowhere to go. There, on the continent of Africa alone, estimated that there are 30 million children who are facing starvation. Religious and sectarian violence and hatred rule the day in many places, and power and corruption have taken center stage, leaving hunger and deprivation and misery in its wake. Here in our own nation, there is this haunting feeling that something is terribly wrong. Something is not right. We, we can't always describe it or put our finger on it, but something is wrong. It seems that we are estranged from one another. Sometimes we get caught up in the rhetoric of isolation and suspicion of one another. Instead of moving forward, which is the way we're supposed to move, at times it seems as though we're going back. Going back to the days where we were separated from one another because of the color of our skin or the disparity that exists between the ones who have and the ones who have not. We need a Human Relations Sunday right here in America one out of every four children don't know where their next meal will come from. We all know, all of us know, that there's a better way to live. There's a better way for us to realize our God-given potential, our right to be the best persons we can be to pursue that measure of happiness that's promised to us in our constitutions and preambles and creeds. As children, when we were running around in a chaotic frenzy, my grandmother would always call us to order and restore sanity when she would say, you weren't brought up to behave this way. Of course, the 36-inch ruler was also a way to bring us back to sanity. And we weren't brought up this way. This, this is not who we are. 
we are people of good conscience. And at times, we live in a pretty dark world. But my message to you today is not about the darkness. My message to you today is this. Before we give in to the darkness, before we give in to the madness and the mayhem of what's going on in our world today, I have come to say to you that there is hope. There is hope. There is a path that can get us to a better place, a place where the expectation of making Human Relations Day a reality and not just another meaningless observance. And that hope begins with us. With us. We are the ones who have been given a gift by God to dispel the darkness of our world. It begins with us, the followers, the disciples of Jesus Christ. And the pathway to that better place, the pathway that leads to hope begins right here in the church. People talk about how dark and dismal the world is, but can you imagine how really dark and dismal it would be if we did not have the church? You ask yourselves that question. You see, God gave us this gift. And Jesus called it by name. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. He called it by name, light. Notice he did not say, you will become the light of the world. He didn't say that. Nor did Jesus say, strive to be lights in the world. Instead, he said, you are the light of the world, meaning that we already possess, we already have the capacity, we all have the ability to make a difference. Listen to how Eugene Peterson translates that passage in Matthew. Here's another way to put it, he writes, you're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, he writes, you don't think I'm going to put you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that you're on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house, he says. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God. That's what he writes, that same verse there. And, and it sounds so simple. And it is. How is it that we make the simple complicated. Something, nothing is as simple as light or salt in his sermon. One of the very first songs we learned was This Little Light of Mine, played during the offertory. We remember it. It's a catchy little tune, and it says, I'm going to let it shine, shine, shine. 
And little did I know as I was learning that song as a child that there's a profound message there. And the message to people is, you don't need a big light to shine. All you need is a little one. And if you let that little light shine, it will illuminate the dark corners of our world. And therein lies the truth. In total darkness, scientists tell us that if you light a candle, the human eye can see a single candle in total darkness 10 miles away. Now I ask you, how far away does someone have to be to see the light of Christ in us? I hope not far, because if we can just give an expression of kindness, a gentle smile, a word of encouragement, a tender hug, these are the kinds of things that begin to foster relationship and build bridges. If God makes you light bearers, you don't think he's going to hide you, do you? No. And what he wants you to do is shine. And to be honest with you, it brings me to the question today, and it begs the answer. Is our world becoming darker, or have we hidden our lights? And when you hide your lights, it can only produce a darker world. If you ever want to see something that will change your life, I want you to go home and look up a YouTube video. I told Pastor Wiggs that I got to be careful when I tell young people on college campuses and university settings to look something up on Google or YouTube because when I say that, all their heads go down like that. <laughs> they have those doggone devices in their hand and, and they're sitting there and I've lost them. I've lost them. But when you go home, look up this video, just, just Google it or put Stranger Who Helps Man on Subway. It's been viewed almost 50 million times. And it tells me that, that people somehow are drawn to this kind of light shining. There's an elderly black man sitting on a subway car, shivering from the cold. He has no shirt on at all. How he got there, we don't know. Nor do we know the circumstances surrounding this desperate situation. But the 23-year-old Joey Restore, none of that made a difference. Restore gets up from his seat and he walks back to the trembling man sitting there and he takes off his outer shirt and he helps put it on him. You should see him trying to wiggle his free, feeble arms through the sleeves. And he puts the shirt on him and neatly tucks it. And if that was not enough, he goes back to his seat and gets his woolen cap and brings it to the old man and he puts the cap on his head, and he leaves him. Little did he know he was being caught on video by a cell phone, 
And when someone posted the video, it went viral. And when they finally caught up with this stranger who helped the man on the subway, he said, I'm no hero. I only hope that what I did inspires someone. Indeed, it does. Light is contagious. Light can be seen in darkness. And what we are being asked to do with our lives is to let our light shine in the dark places of our world. That's what this Sunday is all about. That's what this holiday is all about. That's what life is all about. It just doesn't happen on Human Relations Sunday. It happens every day, every hour. Don't fool yourselves. People see light. Last year, my wife's sister and niece came to Oklahoma, and we brought them to Tulsa. They wanted to see the Greenwood area, so we took them to the Greenwood Community Center. And as we were walking around looking at the pictures, a very nice woman came out to take us on the tour. And she said to me, "Uh, sir, what do you do for a living? And usually I get a little quiet when people ask me that because half the world has no idea what a bishop in the Methodist church does. Because if I say I'm a preacher... They will say, where's your church? And, and it sounds strange when I say, I have no church. I have 500 of them. It doesn't sound right. So anyway, she asked me, what do you do for a living? I said, I'm a Methodist preacher. And immediately her eyes lit up. And she said, do you know of Boston Avenue? I got even quieter then. Ah. I said, yes. She said, oh, they're wonderful. We have a partnership with them, and they have helped us out in so many, many ways. Then I got a little more encouraged. I said, oh, wow, that's fabulous. Light shines in the darkness. And I don't care where it is, if it's at Greenwood or whatever place it may be, if it's Somalia or wherever, if you let the light that God has given you shine, it will dispel the darkness. And that's what we are asked to do. Let me close with this. The name Robert Louis Stevenson is familiar to most of us. He lived from 1850 to 1894, dying at the young age of 44. He is best known for such famous works as Treasure Island, Kidnap, The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. He he ranks among the 26 most translated authors in the world. But what you may not know is that when he was a little boy, From the age of 6 to 11 years old, he was very sickly. He was prone to coughs and fever, suffering from what we would probably call tuberculosis. Consequently, he was confined to his bedroom a lot. And it is recorded that one day, while doing his favorite pastime, he would look out of his window pane on the boulevard below, and he would watch the lamplighter going from one lamppost to the next, 
lighting it. This is what he liked to do. And one evening, his nurse, who they called Cummy, came into the room and said, Robert, what are you doing? He said, I'm watching the lamplighter knock holes in the darkness. I'm watching the lamplighter knock holes in the darkness. Is that not what we are called to do? To knock holes in the darkness of our world and of our cities. And God has put you on a light stand. And all God wants you to do shine. Shine. 